Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Titus chapter 2, uh, verses 11 through 14, the Apostle Paul's writing to one of his uh, younger ministers, Titus, and it's a very personal letter, but this is very theological, and here's what he said. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, we should live righteously, we should live godly in this present age. Now, can the church say amen to that? How many know that's how we ought to live? Okay. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell me that's not cool, Billy. You just sang that. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, that he might purify for himself his own special people. How many know you're different? If you're saved, you're different. You're not what you used to be. You may not be what you ought to be, but you're not what you used to be. If you're still what you used to be, you need to get back in the altar and pray again. Because when God saves you, he saves you. Come on, I said when he saves you, he saves you. There's a change in your life. Okay, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. To purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Okay, you can be seated this morning. I read a story uh, that's a funny story. A little boy knelt at his bed to say his prayers, his bedtime prayers, and he said, Lord, please bless mommy and daddy. Lord, please help us to have a good day tomorrow. It was Christmas time, and at the top of his voice, he suddenly yelled, and please give me a bicycle for Christmas. And he yelled it at the top of his lungs. His mother heard him praying, came in and said, son, you don't have to scream. God can hear you. He said, I know, Mommy, that God can hear, hear me, but he, he said, Grandma doesn't hear so well, and she's the one that's got the money for the bike. <laughs> sharp little boy. Spiritual and sharp. If your house is like my house right now, you have started placing gifts under the Christmas tree, and the giving of gifts, gifts is a joyful part of the Christmas season. We all know that. And, and there is, on most of our much of our secular things that we do that seem secular, like gift giving, there is often a spiritual meaning behind that, which is what I'm going to preach about today. But obviously, it's the gift that was given to us, Jesus Christ. But I have found that through the years, having given so many gifts at Christmas time, I found that you can categorize the gifts in two categories. There's, there's the first of all, there are the obligatory gifts. They're the gifts you have to give. All right, you're going to Aunt Myrtle's house. And Aunt Myrtle always darns you these pair of socks that you're never going to wear. But because Aunt Myrtle is going to give you a pair of socks, you've got to buy Aunt Myrtle a gift. And so you have to get her something. You, get my, you know what I'm saying, right? It, you go to the office and you know somebody's going to give you a gift, so you got the, oblig, the obligatory, well, I've got I to give a gift. Okay. And, hey, it's a gift. But... The meaning behind it is just, it is what it is. But then there are, in the second category, what I call the meaningful gifts. And these are the gifts that you give that have some heart and thought in them. These are the gifts 
that you give that are coming from you. They're special to you, and hopefully they'll be special to the individual. And oftentimes, uh, that gift is something that the recipient could really use. And it might cost you a lot of money. And, and so, obligatory gifts, meaningful gifts. This is the Christmas season, and when we begin, we begin to talk about gifts, you need to understand, and it's a different word, so you may not be putting the dots together, but there is a biblical word for gifts, and it's the word grace. Grace is really God, what God gives you. So, so it is all about the gifts of God. And the technical theological definition is that grace is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And if you don't know, I've written a book on grace. I, I love that little book I've written. And I talk about the very, the very different facets of grace. But uh, I, I put in the book, grace is God taking notice of you and God blessing you and, and pouring out on you whatever it is that you need with his special gifts. Which then leads me in this Christmas season to make this statement, obviously God's greatest gift to us, God's greatest gift to mankind was the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, because this is the true meaning of Christmas. And in our text, Paul talks about another gift from God, which is a result of the gift of God of his son. So it all ties together and that is the gift of salvation. For the grace of God that brings salvation, he said, has appeared to all men. So this wonderful gift from God is that you can receive salvation from your sins. You can be delivered from your sins because Jesus came to this earth, which is the Christmas story, to be our Savior. And there are certain Christmas passages that clearly portray Jesus as humanity's deliverer from sin. So let me give you a couple, and you, you know these. First, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel told Joseph, Mary will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And the word Jesus means the Lord saves, or the Lord who saves. So you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and exclaimed to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Lord. So Jesus was born to a virgin and placed in a manger so he could live a few years and then die on a cross for our redemption. Now, I talked earlier about the gifts, obligatory gifts, the meaningful gifts. The great thing about a meaningful gift is that nine times out of nine, the motivation behind the gift is love. There's some kind of love, some kind of compassion, some kind of care. And, and so what is true is that what God did for us in sending his son, the Christmas story, was done with the motivation of love. God sent Jesus to die for our sins because he loved us. And so I never get tired of quoting this verse, for God so loved the world. You want to say it with me? That he gave. There's the gift. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
So if you are saved today, it is because God loves you. Love brought Jesus to this earth as a baby. Love caused him to lay aside his glory and robe with flesh. Love put stripes on his back, nails in his hands and in his feet, a spear in his side. Love moved him to lay down his life for our sins. And the Bible bears this out. John 15, 13, Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And what is amazing about that verse is that if you take it all the way out, you're saying Jesus is talking about how he's going to die, and the greatest thing someone can do, he said, is to lay down his life for a friend. What happens if you lay down your life for your enemy? Because we were enemies of God when we were in sin. And yet God loved us in spite of the animosity and the enmity and sent his son anyway. Don't tell me that's not love. Not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16, John wrote, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Romans 5.18, or 5.8 rather, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there's the word of God. What incredible, unbelievable, unfathomable love. In spite of your sin, God loved you. In spite of your shame, God loved you. In spite of your guilt, God loved you. In spite of your spiritual poverty, God loved you. In spite of your hatred for God and other people, God loved you. In spite of the fact that you deserve to die for your sins, God loved you. In spite of your weakness and failures and moral shortcomings. And you had them, didn't you? God loved you. And if you are living in a state of sin today and hearing me preach, whether you're here in this building or you're watching online, God loves you. But now let me preach the whole story lest you be deceived. He loves you. He loves you. I know how you are, and you know how you are. I know you're going, wait, 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 God loves me? Yeah, God loves you. But let me give you the rest of the story. He hates your sin. Now, don't misunderstand that just because he loves you, that, that means he loves the way you live and the way you act, and he condones the way you talk and some of the things you do. Oh, no, let me get the record clear. He absolutely despises that because it is against his holy nature. You still with me? Got quiet in here, but I'm just telling you, he loves you. Can he do that? Sure he can. I'm a daddy. I love my boys, but sometimes I did not like the way they behaved. And that's when the belt went, the worst sound in the world is to hear him coming through the loops, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just, let's just put it out there. God, yeah, God's our father. Woo, yeah, but God, God does not, he will not put up. And if you stay in your sin and you don't, get delivered from your sin, one day you'll get the ultimate whooping. The ultimate whooping, which is a terrible thing, that you will die in your sins and spend eternity in a devil's hell. Now, that's just the word of God. But that's not what God wants. Do you all know God didn't create hell for us, right? He created hell for the devil and his angels, the first sinners. If Adam and Eve would have obeyed and all of us would live right, there, we'd never have to even preach hell. And by the way, God, God never sends anybody to hell. You send yourself there. 
Don't ever blame God for sending you to hell. If you break the law, the judge just has to carry out what the law says, and he sends you to prison. And if you commit a crime and you're going to die, capital punishment, don't blame the judge. The judge is doing what the law says. And when you break the law of God, you send yourself to hell. So don't blame God. Take responsibility. But why don't you take more responsibility and listen to the preacher today and understand that Jesus came and died on the cross because God loves you so much that he said, even though I don't like, I hate the way you live, I sent my son to die in your place, to take the punishment I'd have put on you for what you've done. He took it instead. It'd be like you being a little brother and you messing all up and then God whooped your big brother. Now, the analogy there is very limited. But that big brother has to be perfect and divine and qualified. And then what the big brother does has such an effect on you that it changes you so that you don't act bad anymore. You start acting like your big brother. I'm so glad Jesus came to be my Savior. Mary wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. She had no idea that one day someone would wrap her lifeless son's body in linen and lay it in a borrowed tomb. The shepherds tended sheep used by the priest to offer sacrifices for sins. Did you know that? That's what they were doing out there. But when they went to Bethlehem to see baby Jesus, they had no idea. They did not realize that they were staring at the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. I've received some great gifts in my life. Kind of thought back on my life. When I was 12 years old, um, my grandfather had two girls, my mother and her sister, of course. They had three, gave my grandfather three grandchildren, two girls and me. Me and Papaw were tight because I was the son he never had. And we were tight. And mom, do you remember when I was 12 years old and somehow he got a Honda 70 motorcycle in the back of his car and drove up to Detroit, Michigan and brought that to me and gave it to me. Man, I thought that was the greatest gift in the world. And I kept that Honda 70 and rode it till I got too big. I mean, there comes a point, you're too big for a Honda 70. When I was at East Coast Bible College, one day the president of the college called me in. I had almost got my school bill paid off, but I still owed a few hundred dollars. And I was working, doing work, the work program where you can work it off cleaning toilets in a men's dorm. You can't get much lower than that. <laughs> Scrubbing their showers. And the president of East Coast Bible College called me into his office and told me that an anonymous individual had paid off my college bill. I thought that was the greatest gift ever. When I married Leah, I thought I had the greatest gift in the world. Then Jaron was born, Evan was born, and I thought, man, these are the greatest gifts I could ever have in my life till the grandbabies came along. <laughs> grandbabies just love you. You can do no wrong. 
If you do, just give them candy and it's all right again. Now, we're laughing, but I'm going to tell you right now, I've had a lot of great gifts given to me through the years. and no way I could list them all. I just picked a few. But the day I knelt in the altar and I confessed my sin and asked Jesus to forgive me and change me, and he did. And he came into my heart and washed my sins away, and the Spirit of God came inside of me. And when I got up out of that altar, I was not the same, and I've never been the same since then. That was the greatest gift I ever received and will ever receive in all my life. How about you? And here's the thing. He came once, and he's planning on coming again. That's the cool part about what they just sang. Verse 13 of our text, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, I told you that the gift of salvation is a wonderful gift from God, but another wonderful gift of God is our blessed hope. Not a worldly hope. Worldly hope says, I think maybe it might, possibly it could happen. Man, I'm wishful thinking, oh, I hope I win the lottery. You know, that kind of thing. You don't even buy a ticket, but you hope you win the lottery. It's that kind of thing. It's just baseless. That's not biblical hope ever. So don't ever take that concept of hope and try to mash it into your Bible because it doesn't fit. Godly hope is entirely different. Godly hope is based on the word of God. And how many of you know God is not a man that he should lie? So anytime God says he'll do it, finish it for me. He'll, he'll do it. It's just when. It's just a matter of timing. That's hope. It's coming. When? I don't know. How? Not sure. Do you know all the details? Only got a few. But you still believe? Yep, because God said it. It's coming. And Jesus has said that he's coming back. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms, which is a better translation. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. So, he came the first time to bring salvation, but he's coming the second time to consummate our salvation. He came the first time to offer forgiveness. He's coming the second time to usher in forever. He came the first time to free us from the power of sin, but he's coming the second time to free us from the power of death. He came the first time so he could live in our hearts. He's coming the second time to take us home to heaven so we can live with him for all eternity. Even so, come Lord Jesus. His appearance on that first Christmas morning was not glorious at all. His parents were poor. No doctor attended to his birth. He did not have a cute baby room or a crib to rest in. He was born out of town, probably in a cave, laid in a feeding trough so he could have a place to sleep. No kings, no princes, no noblemen traveled to see the Son of God robed in flesh. But I've read enough of the Bible to know when he comes the second time, things will be different. It will be glorious. He will return as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Hallelujah. You feel like shouting a little bit. This is a good place to do it at. 
He'll come the second time and defeat the armies of Satan and the Antichrist, and he'll set up a kingdom that will last for a thousand years of righteousness and peace. If you're tired of hearing about the war between Russia and Ukraine, just get ready. When Jesus Christ comes back, there won't be any wars. Fox won't be able to talk about it anymore. Nobody else will be able to report. You won't need a war correspondent. We won't need military forces anymore because they'll take their, their spears and beat them into plowshares and they'll study war no more. And there'll be peace on this earth for a thousand years. Can you even imagine it? When he comes the second time, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. When he comes the second time, everyone will know who he is. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. He came the first time. He's coming back. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me, please. Somebody tell the children's department he actually got through early. <laughs> Always. I got a loaded question for you, brothers and sisters, and all the rest. Is the babe of Bethlehem the Savior and Lord of your life? If a tornado suddenly appeared and hit this place and the roof came crashing in and we all died, how terrible. Would you go to heaven? Where would you go? If you left here today on these wet roads and skidded off the road and hit a tree and you went into eternity, what's your destination? God's destination 2,000 years ago was planet earth a man on a mission the son of man the son of God on a mission to live a sinless life and die and then rise up from the dead because you can't kill God you can't kill life and now he lives seated at the right hand of the father alive and well ready to forgive your sins and change your life. Oh, if you are in sin and you just knew how good it was. And I know you're thinking, well, I got to let her go. I got to let him go. I got to stop some things. Yeah, I know what will happen if I get, yeah, yeah, but listen to me. All that stuff, you're putting such a high premium on it. It's not that valuable. You've made it valuable. Okay. It's like taking something that everybody else knows is worthless, but you, you act like it's an antique. You act like it's a collectible. Okay? It's not. Just because you like that Braves player 20 years ago, he turned into nothing. Throw his card away. His baseball card ain't worth anything. Right? But we act like, oh, this is worth so much. That's what we do with our sins. But this is so valuable. No, it's not. It's killing you. It's like hanging on to a piece of metal that's full of radiation. But whatever it is has a memory to you and was special to you. But the radiation's killing you every day. Slowly you're dying. That's sin. You just don't know. You can't see. There's blinders on your eyes. You're in the dark. If 
you could just hear us, if you could just hear my voice in the darkness, let it go. Come to Jesus. Just trust him. Let it go. Pray, God, forgive me. I'm giving my life to you. Oh, you have no idea how good it is. But you will when it happens. And you look back and say, why did I hang on to that? That was so stupid. Why did I stay in sin? I've had people say to me, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. Oh, if I have a regret, Pastor, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. Well, guess what? Today's the day. Today's the day. Jesus came. We love Christmas. We love the trees. We love the carols. We love all that stuff. It's all great. But the true meaning of Christmas is salvation from your sins. It's that simple. And Christmas becomes special. I told somebody the other day, I said, when you get saved, the great part about it is you can do the dual track. I can run over here in the secular side all day long. Man, I love Santa Claus. Okay? I love exchanging gifts. I love watching Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph. And I'm 57. It's a kid inside of us. You know, I can do that. I can run that track. I don't have a problem with that. We played Dirty Santa the other day. Oh, that was so much fun. You can have fun with that. We, I love running that track. But the cool thing is it's kind of like skiing. I can, I can get my leg in this and I can run the spiritual track. This keeps me grounded while I'm doing this. I'm over here doing this, saying, oh, this is fun, and it's, you know, creative, and Jingle Bells doesn't even have a thing to do with Christmas, much less Jesus. Well, I'll sing it, but I know what that is, but the real meaning I know is right here. I can run over here for a little bit, we'll have fun with it, but I'm always going to gravitate back here because this is what Christmas is all about. That's the good thing about being saved. God wants to set you free. Would you bow your heads all over this church? I found the easiest way to do things is just lead people in a prayer. Whether I know whether or not you got saved or not, that's up to you. I'd love to know. I'll rejoice with you. But if you have sin in your heart, and the Lord is dealing with you and there is conviction on you and you feel God pulling at you, stop fighting God. That's my challenge. You stop fighting God and just say, God, I'm giving in because you sure know better than I do. You got a lot better for me than what I can do. And pray this prayer and ask the Lord to come in your life and give your life to Jesus and repent of your sins, turn from your sins and live for the Lord. It's like the old song says, you'll just start living because you'll get a brand new life. And you'll have joy, but you'll sleep tonight better than you've slept in years, probably your whole life, because you'll lay your head down in peace, knowing God lives inside of you. And if you die, you're going to heaven. If you live, you're going to walk with Jesus every day. It's wonderful. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask the whole church to pray this prayer with me. And if you're a sinner, you pray this prayer. Just repeat what I say, but say it to the Lord. I had a man that sat right over here to my left years ago. He's in heaven now that got halfway through it. He was just saying it to saying it because everybody was saying about halfway through. He said, wait a minute. 
this can work and he started meaning it the rest of the way through and God changed his life God changed his life that day he gave his life to Jesus so everybody say this with me dear Jesus I'm a sinner I'm so sorry for my sins it's a terrible life I'm living and I'm miserable oh God there's some good times but I always end up miserable and I know I'm not right with you and eternity is staring me in the face and you're staring at me and I know I need to be right with you so please forgive me of all my sins I confess them to you I am what I am and I am so sorry I don't want to be this way anymore please forgive me please wash me please change me please come into my heart God make me right with you I repent of my sins. I will not go back to those sins. By your help, I'm gonna live right, and I'm gonna serve you, and I'm gonna obey you. So I believe that Jesus died. I believe he rose again. I believe his death has the power to change my life. So forgive me, and I accept you, and I confess you as my Savior and as my Lord. It's happened. It's done. I believe it. I accept it by grace. I accept it by faith. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. It's done. It's done. Come on, say this. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I am. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's have a little faith, church. Open your eyes. Clap your hands. And let's celebrate. Believe that God saved somebody today. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.